Hey, my name is Russ, and you're listening to the Russ Rants Podcast. It's a show about a lot of nothing, and yet a whole lot of something at the same time. It could be about what generally infuriates me, current events, or just whatever comes to the top of my head. Either way, I am excited that you're here with us, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get on to the rant. You know what I've learned recently is that no matter what you're shooting for in life, whether it be something that your parents told you to do when you were young, like education or something you thought you'd really enjoy, um, like a career trajectory or a passion project that you've always dreamed of, but you never really had that opportunity. Even if you were given all the tools in the world, all the resources, all the money, if you didn't have a clear vision or a clear usage for what that goal was, it's useless. You know, I keep running into this situation more and more. I, I, I worked in the insurance industry for, for five years. And yeah, that sounds as exciting uh, as anything. But it, this job taught me that nothing satisfies without having purpose. Nothing. I, I, the beautiful thing is that in my job, what basically what I was is I was kind of like a broker or an account manager. I would take care of your personal insurance files. So your home insurance, your car insurance, life insurance, whatever. I, I kind of looked after it and you had your questions. I'd kind of broker all that. And so obviously it put me in contact with military men. It put me in contact with civil servants like police officers and firefighters. It put me in contact with lawyers, entrepreneurs, engineers. It put me in contact with architects. It put me in contact with health professionals, doctors, physicians. It's very cool. It was a very cool job. Very grateful for it. But it, it's funny how I could talk to, for example, two different sets of doctors. And one of them would have a kind of more, I don't know how to describe it, kind of a a deadpan kind of business-like tone. And it wasn't just their personality. That's that's kind of a little bit of a disclaimer. It wasn't just their personality that they, you know, acted this way like Russ. Like, you know, maybe you're just kind of stereotyping how your interaction was based on their personality. No, there was something different. But, like, they would, they would talk to me and I'd try to ask them questions about their patients or what, you know, why did they become a doctor? And seriously, guys, believe it or not, some of the doctors I talked to, I always wanted to ask that question to anybody I met because I like to know the why, which again takes us back to Russ Rants because I'm all about the why. I'm all about why are we here? Why Why do we do what we do? Why did you come down this path? And honestly, you guys, when I would ask some of these doctors why they did what they did or why did you choose to be a doctor, it was, well, I don't know, I, you know I, I, I've always wanted to help people and, you know, I, I studied hard and I felt like it was the right thing to do. Or, well, in my parents, you know, my, my, my mom and dad are doctors, for example. That's one of my old customers. Um, or, you know, it just runs in the family. You know, my, my sister's, you know, a nurse, my so-and-so's a doctor, blah, blah, blah. But then you would ask these other doctors, and I remember ver- them very clearly. These other doctors would say a completely different answer. They would say, I always wanted to make a difference or I always wanted to help heal people or I always wanted to be the best part of someone's 
well, that's my boss's slogan was the best part of your worst day, but they would always say I wanted to kind of improve them or I wanted to contribute something meaningful with my life. It wasn't you if you hadn't known that they were a doctor, you would think that they were talking about something completely different. They redefined their occupation not because of what they did, not because of what they were doing, but because of the purpose behind it. You know, it's funny. My boss, I'm going to give serious props to my my former employer. He ran his insurance agency like a champion. He still is. And he taught me the power behind purpose. Because without it, you're just working a nine-to-five job or not even a nine-to-five job. You're working shift work or you're working on commission, whatever. And it's very unsatisfactory. You don't have the drive. Eventually, you're going to peter out. Money can only get you so far. And my former boss raised a culture in our insurance agency, I mean, I was super green when I joined the insurance world. I just needed a job. My wife was expecting her first child. Uh, I didn't have any post-secondary education. I had a little bit of sales experience. And through a random Indeed uh, ad, my resume was found online, and he reached out to me to offer me an interview. And I guess he must have seen something in me he liked. Maybe he, he saw my personality or whatever, but we clicked. And he offered me a job. I studied. I got my license. But little did I know that this wouldn't be a typical nine to five. This would become a pursuit. This would become a purpose. It was a project. I wasn't just selling life insurance. I wasn't just selling protection. I was selling a life changer. I was selling a product that could help change lives. And see, we worded it differently. No longer was, you know, well, Russ, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm an insurance salesman. Like, oh my gosh. Like you immediately, A, you profile me. As soon as I say that, as soon as you say insurance salesman, you kind of profile, you're like, what? But I no longer said that. We actually, in our culture, in our office, we learn to say, I help build and protect people and their wealth. That's what I would say. And I actually believed it. I actually was able to communicate way better with people because I no longer was selling or trying to proposition products from a place of selling because that's what I did. I was a salesman, but who I was, was a person who was bent on helping people. I was a person who drew life, who drew energy, who drew purpose from helping people. Now, why did I just jump right into this first off? And, and yes, it's, it's six minutes in. Thank you for joining the Russ Rants podcast. I'm really excited to be back. Yes, it's been a long hiatus. Um, there's no excuses. Quite frankly, it has something to do with today's rant because it's, it is about purpose. I really struggle with knowing what to do with my life. And I, I tend to overthink my next steps because I don't know if they're going to be impactful enough or if they're going to make enough of a difference. And so I actually corner myself into inaction because I'm too afraid of not being purposeful enough or making enough of an impact with next steps. It sounds kind of convoluted. It probably is. And if you've tuned me out at this point, I'm really sorry. But today's rant is all about purpose. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have some amazing friends, phenomenal friends. They are good people. They're solid, hardworking, have good character, everything you'd want an employee. And these guys, some of these guys are professionals. They work in very specialized industries. They work for very big corporations. They're very good at their jobs. But 
I've encountered over and over in my years of friendship, many times my friends can be dissatisfied. And I'm gobsmacked because I've, I, I mean, I grew up where I, I was never pushed into post-secondary. It was only if I wanted to. It wasn't a, a huge, like obviously my parents wanted me to make sure that I, you know, could take care of myself and I could take care of a, a future family. But they knew that if I forced my, if they forced me to go to school, I, I probably wouldn't do very well because I needed a purpose behind it. I've always been purpose-driven. And I, I don't have post-secondary, so I don't know that road. I don't know university. I don't know college. Um, but my friends who have taken that route and have been incredibly successful, some of them are loving their jobs. And again, it's the same thing with about the demeanor is when you talk to them, they, they don't tell you what they do as in an occupation. They tell you what they do. What are they accomplishing in life? What are they actually able to contribute to society? And that's how I can tell if they, they feel like they're living with purpose. It's, it's not because they tell me what their job is. They tell me what they do with their job. You know, I help build infrastructure and companies. I help entrepreneurs get the guidance they need to change the world with their vision. That is so much different than, well, I'm a business consultant. Like, you know what I mean? So what are you doing right now? What am I doing right now? Because there's nothing wrong with living or, or doing a job, rather, that pays the bills. But what are you doing with your life in the background that's purposeful? Because I, I, I should probably give a little bit of a caveat that I don't mean that you have to have pure purpose in your occupation. But that oftentimes can be the main source of where we get drained in life is that we feel like we're in a quote-unquote quote, uh, quote dead-end job, right? You've heard that phrase over and over again in our society, a dead-end job. And sometimes, you know, especially in Hollywood, in the movies, a dead-end job can be, you know, a, a job that's going nowhere, right? You're not going to get a promotion or it's this is the top or this is the best it's going to get or the next class or next echelon of of advancement isn't in sight. It's it's a dead end. There's nowhere to go from here. But what I'm finding in in at least what I've been experiencing so far in 2019 is dead end job has a totally different meaning. It can actually mean that your purpose has hit a dead end. Because I have friends who are, are moving up the ladder. I have friends who are very good at their jobs. They're getting recognition, and yet their hearts still aren't in it totally. And why is that? It's because that's where they spend the majority of their time. Now, some people are able to work with the delicate balance, the delicate balance of working a nine-to-five job and then doing their side hustle or their side passion project. And some people know that that might be the only way they can do it. And to you, I say props. This is just a rant. This is just something that's on my mind. It's, it's, it's nighttime, to be honest with you guys, and it, this has been something that's stirring inside me, and I, I got to talk about it. And I, You might be like, Russ, you talk about purpose and life and, and destiny a lot. Well, yeah, it's because I'm passionate about it. That's My podcast right now, I said, is, is about a conversation, and it's a conversation I have with myself over and over again. And for you guys who are willing to listen to me, I hope to occasionally have little questions for you, kind of little deposits that you can ponder. If you're doing good, awesome. But if this question that I throw out once in a while in my Russ rants bothers you or gets you thinking, maybe that's a good thing too. Maybe you need someone to poke the bear. Maybe you need someone to be like, hey, 
I mean, good on you for getting this nice, secure job with these nice, secure benefits and this nice, secure succession path. But is it what your heart really wants? Because life is short. And if all you want out of life is stability, then sweet. I'm glad you're content, I guess. I, really, that's the thing, though, is, is contentment. Because it can come in different shapes and forms. You can have a 9-to-5 job that you're okay at, and it pays you well, and it's got a good rhythm. Nothing really changes. And you can do with you what you want with your life. You can travel. You can you know, you know, you know, go see friends often. You can party, whatever. You know, that, that's a perfectly fine and enjoyable life. And if that's your contentment level... Hey, good on you. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to be like, well, you're worse than other people. There's no better or worse in these cases. But I do know that there are some of you out there right now struggling because you've fought, you've clawed, you've scratched, you've, 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 you know, sweat, <laughs> blood and tears. You, you've worked so hard to get to where you are career-wise or project-wise or expertise-wise. And suddenly now you're sitting there and you're like, huh, I thought this would mean more. And I mean, on my end, I haven't been there career-wise because I never really went to school and kind of specialized in an area that I thought I'd really enjoy. I tried once, by the way. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story because it, it kind of defines what I kind of want to finish up on here on the rant today is about constantly being self-aware about where your heart is guiding you. And that's not wishy-washy because I do truly believe that if you do something that you're passionate about or at least find purpose or vision in, you will do that task better and you will master it or you'll at least become super good at it. You'll become super effective at it. And so here's my story really quick, halfway through the rant. You're welcome. It is truly a rant. I have nothing prepared. I have some guests lined up for the next uh, few uh, months, or well, probably a month. I have uh, some guests lined up here. It's just been a little bit tricky schedule-wise. So, hey, you're still listening and you're willing to listen. Appreciate it. I really do. Thank you for liking Russ Rants. And uh, you'll probably notice now when I post this that we are available on pretty much every single podcast platform, including the big iTunes podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, just to name a few, and many more. Okay, so thank you. I do appreciate this, and I promise that maybe content will get a little bit more scripted. Maybe it won't. How about you give me some feedback, and you can let me know if you enjoy my, my content or not. Sound great? Awesome. Okay, let's move on. When I was dating my now wife, but when I was dating my, my beautiful girlfriend, I really had a lot of thinking to do because I just graduated high school and... I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And for a while, I'd always been encouraged about my teaching ability. I actually taught drums in my teenage years. I really enjoyed it. I uh, really, really did. And I naturally was pushed into the direction of if I did want to pursue post-secondary, maybe I should pursue teaching because it's a natural ability and you can actually make some pretty good coin out of it. You go, you got some pretty good benefits, a good pension plan. It's a pretty stable job. And... I was like, nah, I, I don't really feel drawn to that. But there was something more. I, again, I wanted a little bit more defined purpose. And so me being a bit younger, I thought, you know what could be pretty cool is social work. Seriously. And I was like, social work, I still get to be relational. 
I still get to maybe hang out with some maybe young adults or youth or just even hurting people or people that are on their road to recovery. And I get to kind of cheer them on and help be a guide and a support system to better their lives. That's purposeful, right? That's pretty dang purposeful. And a shout out to um, you social workers out there. I have some friends, uh, but just all those in general that work in those kind of public service uh, jobs, super props to you. But I, I finally decided, you know what I would want to do is get my bachelor of social work and do that because you can't help but be purposeful in that job. Seriously, that was the thought process behind it where I'm like, I can't help but like be forced to engage and improve people's lives. That's a pretty good career choice, right? Especially if you're purpose-driven like myself. So my wife and I, when we got married, we moved to the wonderful city of Calgary and we were broke because we had just spent all of our gift money from our wedding on our honeymoon no regrets. It was the best summer ever. We were actually able to take the entire summer off because we didn't have any rent. We had not yet rented a place as a couple and we had enough money to float to through campsites and vacation spots. It was actually pretty awesome. So we're at the end of the summer and now finally, thankfully, we by a miracle uh, had some friends that were um, their, their father had just passed away and their assets had been frozen until like the will had been settled legally and all that fun stuff. So they need someone to actually take care of their now passed away father's house. And they said, Hey, just pay utilities, but we won't charge you rent. So that was a miracle. It was awesome. It was our first place, beautiful house. So we had a house, very minimal expenses, but we still need jobs. And my wife, Pola, uh, being the hot, like the awesome hard worker she is, she just applied at a temp agency aced the interview and had a job shortly and she crushed it. Um, so she was paying, but I was struggling to find work because I had my headset on exploring social work options. I really did. And I had not gone to school, but I was thinking about it. I was thinking of going to the university of Calgary or Mount Royal university for the bachelor of social work. Um, but some people had advised me and I, I thought it was a pretty good idea to get some practical experience. So I started to apply at every single social establishment or I don't know what you call them, social wellness establishments. I don't know, whatever. Um, but I applied everywhere in Calgary that I could. I had asked a few of my social working friends, hey, like I don't have any education, so I understand that I'm a little bit limited, but who do you think would give me a shot? I had done some volunteer youth work in my teenage years. I did put that on my resume because I thought that'd be relevant. I had experience, but just not educated experience, if that makes sense. So finally, this one establishment gave me a call back and they said, Hey, we'd love to interview you and talk where we, we see your youth experience and we do recognize actually a decent degree of it. We do need some work, um, for these, uh, what, what do you call them? Uh, what is this? It's like uh, you, 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 you monitor the houses. I can't remember why I can't, don't remember, but it's, it was like, uh, you ba basically oversee a house, um, uh, or a shelter or a center, whatever for a, a specific, uh, disorder, so to speak. I don't know why it doesn't come to me. You guys can comment. You'll be like, it's this, but I'm sorry. I'm tired. And I've just decided to do this podcast. So sorry about that. But, um, they said we need a float shift worker for these positions to go group home. There you go. And uh, we, we need some staff for group homes. So basically if a staff member gets sick or takes some time off or whatever, or goes for training, we want you to step in 
and help assist and staff that group home for a day or a few days or a week or whatever. You'll get paid some pretty good salary, um, but it'd be great experience. And we actually do have some staff here that have been promoted without education because they've just done so well with our kids that that's all that matters to us. And I was like, this is freaking music to my ears. They said, now the only thing that you should know is this isn't for the faint of heart. It is 12 hour shift work. And some of these group homes are pretty tough. And me being a naive but optimistic young man, newly married, living on cloud nine, thinking, well, you know, my life's going great. Now here's a career opportunity without the education. I said, no problem. I'm pretty sure I'm up to the task. So I said, yes. So they tell me the address and they say, all right, show up on this day on the morning and let's start your first shift. It's going to be from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And we're looking forward to seeing you. And I said, well, is there any training? They said, yeah, your training's on site. I'm like, all right, sounds good. So the day came, drove my car, drove to this site. And I pull up to this like establishment. It's like its own little community. Like it's right in the middle of, uh, of an actual residential area, but it's got like a gated entrance, not like gated, like closed, but it's just, it's got like this beautiful archway gate and it says the, the name of the compound or facility, whatever you want to call it. So I drive in and there's like four houses on the left. Like they're big houses though. Don't get me wrong. There's not like little houses. This is like a, a mini lodge. So there's four mini lodges on the left, four mini lodges on the right. Again, they're pretty big, all right? So I'm not doing it justice with my words here, but just think like 3,000 to 4,000 square foot buildings on each side, maybe more, um, multiple stories. The top floor of each, they were all the same construction type, but you know, basically the top floor was the dorm. So the, the, that's where the young, you know, the youth would stay. That's where they lived. That was their bedrooms. The middle floor uh, was the biggest, and it was like the kitchen and the common area. Um, and that was really it. it. Kept very simple. Dorms upstairs, common area, and kitchen downstairs, and then you go outside. So no basement. So I pull up, and they say you're to go to this house number because they need staff because one of them is going to do training. I was like, okay, sounds good. So I pull in, get out, and I, I immediately I don't know. I'm a little shy because they didn't brief me. No briefing at this point. No fault of theirs. They told me to, in their defense, they said training on site. So I <laughs> didn't know that that meant like you're going to get trained. Like <laughs> as soon as you step out of the car, you're on your own. So I go into this house. I knock, walk in, and there's these kids. I think the age range was probably 13 to 17, if I'm being honest. And I walk in and immediately their eyes are drawn to me. They know I'm not a tenant there, for lack of a better term. Uh, and they know that I'm a flow worker. Like you can even like one of the guy, like one of the kids said, like, who's the new kid or who's the new guy. And I have my hands in my pockets because it's a subconscious gesture of, you know, insecurity. I didn't know that, but I was later briefed that these kids are highly intuitive with body language. Like they know if you're insecure, if you give them an inch, they will take a mile because these kids are used to the system for lack of a better term, they're hurting, they have addictions or they have mental illnesses. And seriously, guys, they're great kids. Honestly, to be honest with you, they're, they're, this is, I hope I'm not painting a bleak picture. This was just the, their reality. And I was stepping into their reality. Okay. So I'm terrified, but I'm trying not to show it. Yeah. You know, my hands are in my pocket. So one of the kids who I later learned was one of the more troubled, not troublesome, good kid. When you got him in the right area or headspace, but 
troubled kids came up to me and he mimicked me. He's like, oh yeah, nice. Why are you standing like this? And he like kind of tucked his, his chin in and he put his hands in his pockets and I was like, ah, crap. Like this kid's already on to me. And so, you know, one of the other shift workers walks up and he's like, Hey man, you know, my name's so-and-so hope you're doing well. It's good to meet you. And I'm like, so where, what do we do? What's the program? Like, is there a schedule or anything? They told me, well, no, not today because so-and-so is at training and you're a float worker. We don't expect you to actually stick to their schedule. And it was summertime. Uh, no, it wasn't, it was fall. So they said some of them, some of the kids are going to go to school. Um, others, we can't make them go to school. They really don't like school. So you might have to stay here and just kind of round up the kids that don't really like school. So most of them went, most of them went to school. Uh, there was a school right across the parking lot. They had their own compound school. So most of the kids went to this school in the morning and I kind of helped usher them out and they're, they're making fun of me already. And you know, they're swearing at me. One girl told me to drop dead is this is the kind of culture I was in, right? I knew what to kind of expect, but I didn't kind of smacked me in the face, but there was a few kids that stayed behind and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm, I'm purposeful. You know, I'm, I, I, I asked for this. I chose this. And so I remember walking up to them. I was like, hey, guys, like, you want to do something? I mean, or you want to go to school or do you want me to walk with you? And I'm not going to use the colorful language that they used. Um, but they basically told me where to go and how to get there and uh, <laughs> what to do with myself and shove it. And uh, I just remember totally feeling deflated. Like, it was like my absolute reality came crashing into me where I'm like, this, this is the trenches, man. Like... You asked for a purposeful, you asked to be an impact to these kids, you you got to run with this. And I, I I had no influence. I stepped in there hoping that they would fall in love with my charismatic personality or my bubbliness or my smile and that we would become instant friends and I would be a mentor or whatever. Like this was just the, the stuff that I didn't communicate properly, right? Like I just, these are my unspoken expectations and they just got shoved into my face where I'm like, okay, this is, this is obviously not going to happen. So I just said, all right, well, I'm going to try to make the best of it. So lunchtime came a few hours later. These kids did nothing but like complain and insult me and tried to kill each other. To be honest with you, there was a few fights I had to break up, but lunchtime came. And one of the more troubled kids, God bless him. Like this kid for some reason really gravitated towards me, but he was also like, pretty messed up. And I really had a soft spot for him. His name was Zach. Really cool kid. I was explained uh, kind of briefly his profile. He's uh, like 17 years old, but he had like the mentality of a 14 year old or a 13 year old. So he was pretty immature, but big. He was pretty tall and lanky. And this kid loved to push boundaries. And he obviously knew I was a new guy. This was literally day one. And uh, he said something at lunchtime, like, I want ice cream. I was like, well, sorry, Zach. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm new, but I'm not, I wasn't born yesterday. I know that you're not supposed to have ice cream until supper time. So you're going to get a sandwich like everybody else. And the crazy thing was, you guys, these, these group homes, cause they, they're, these guys are high risk kids, right? The, the kitchen was there for cooking, but there were no sharp utensils, no forks, uh, no knives, no utensils. Actually, you had to go to a back room to take the utensils out and get like any knives you needed for quickly cooking and cutting. And then we were ordered to quickly immediately wash them and then bring them back to this like safe storage room that was always locked. So think of it as like a safe room for standard utilities, 
you know, sorry, utensils that you and I would typically use. They, the kids obviously could not be anywhere near them because I was instructed that in the wrong headspace, they would try to kill each other. So that was fun to learn. So this kid kept poking. He's like, I want ice cream. I want effing ice cream. And I just said, Zach, I'm sorry, man. It's not happening. Well, he didn't like that very much. So he tied, he, he took a swing at me. Thankfully he missed me. Um, but I was like, holy crap. Like what the heck? So later on that day, he was still pretty PO'd that like I didn't give him ice cream. So he was playing with a toy, I think, or something outside. Okay, this is all my first day, by the way. 10 to 10. It's my first 12-hour shift. He was just hanging out. He was just doing something. And this young kid, the, remember the kid that, that mimicked me? One of the more troublesome kids, and troubled kids, rather. Um, he provoked Zach. He, I think he took the toy or he made fun of Zach being stupid or something. Well, I don't know what kind of bad day Zach was having, but apparently me not giving him ice cream and then a few other things before then kind of led to this, and it was the straw that broke the camel's back. I saw that wild look in Zach's eyes, and he freaking grabbed there. there was It was just like a stone pavement. There was no cement in this compound area. He grabbed the biggest stone, and he started charging at this little kid. Like this kid that was pretty troubled, you know, that was mimicking me. He was pretty small. But he was pretty mouthy because he loved the attention, right? And so Zach, being huge, in my opinion, um, he charged. And he literally grabbed this kid by the shirt, uh, and he was about to pound his face in with this rock. And this rock was like the size of a fist, maybe bigger. And I remember just running full speed. Again, I'm a newbie, and I just went into survival mode day one. My first day of being a kind of a quote-unquote trainee social worker on the front lines got between them and put my hands between both. Like, I just was like, I'm like, Zach, no, no, Zach, no, this is not how we settle this. You need to use your words. And you, I was talking to the other kid. I'm like, you, you need to stop. You need to be nice. You need to be respectful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm trying to talk. They're swearing at each other. I was pretty much invisible. You guys, I was just the invisible wall that was preventing Zach from killing this other kid or pounding his face in with a rock at least. And finally, other staff finally noticed, by the way, did I mention that was like alone? Outside this compound, I was alone outside. And they, they finally, a staff member came out and kind of like ushered Zach off and whatever. And this kid, like, he almost got pounded in the face with this rock by Zach. And I stopped him. And this wasn't even like six o'clock yet on my first day. And I was just shaken. Well, same thing happened a few hours later, but it was with a really big kid in Zach. It was another. Now, did I mention that, like, it was. Uh, co-ed so it was co-ed compound group home with various age groups you got 12 to 17 so you've got different sizes shapes forms and disabilities i believe it was a mental kind of mental issue mental disability house and again phenomenal staff phenomenal kids it's the job it's our job to help these kids that are hurting and broken and try to help them get on their way to recovery Okay, so I'm not making like this was a terrible place where all hell was and blah, blah, blah. No, like I'm just telling you my experience. And I was technically living a job that I thought had purpose. Anyways, a few hours later, there's a big kid. Got into a fist fight with Zach. Same thing. But this time I ran between them both to stop them. And unfortunately, they kept punching. And my head and face were in the middle of that. And I kept getting hit and punched and... Finally, another staff member saw what was going on. Again, for some reason, I was kind of like the only one that noticed this was going on. 
and they helped pull them apart. But I survived. Now here's here's the kicker. Here's the here's the clutch part here. Okay, of this Russ Rans podcast. I I I kind of saw what I was getting myself into, and I saw I, I asked the other staff members a ton of questions on the downtime because there was some downtime. It was like quiet time, whatever. And I just said like, "What do you guys like about your job? What do you guys feel about your job? What what rewards you about this? What do you like?" Some of their answers were pretty awesome. Some of them are like, "Well, I'm here for the kids." You know, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to help people. This is what I want to do is I want to, I want to make a difference. And I want these kids, I want some of their legacy to be part of my legacy. And I was like, that's an awesome answer. And other people, you know, the float worker I worked with, God bless her. She had been a float worker for like 20 plus years. She on purposely did not want to be a permanent staff member of a specific group home. Cause that's what happened mostly is like when you're a float worker, the idea is that this organization would give you the opportunity if they liked you enough to let a group home manager if they liked you enough, they would hire you as full-time staff for that home, which is nice. You get more of a solid schedule. Like it was like four days on, four days off, um, you know, and you get full-time benefits and stuff like that and higher salary. But she on purposely didn't want to be a float worker because she loved it. She loved being able to do whatever she wanted on her days off. She could take shifts. She could say no to shifts. Like she loved it. But she was a little jaded in my opinion. Like she had survived in this industry for 20 plus years. And she said, you know, I'm here because no one else is. And... This is all I know, and these kids are broken, and they're spoiled, and they know the system. They know how to abuse it, so I'm here to try to stop them and just make sure that the other staff can get a break. Like, well, I guess there's a little bit of purpose in that statement, and she's not wrong. Like, she's at least, like, giving the full-time staff a break, but I'm like, oh, okay. And I just picked their brain. And after getting punched in the face a few times and, you know, stopping this other kid from killing this other kid or, you know, just pounding his face in with a rock getting insulted all day. Like they did not give up you guys. Like they did not let up these kids verbally abusive. And again, it's cause they're hurt. I get it. I mean, I know that it doesn't mean it doesn't feel good. It, like it, it didn't, it didn't feel good at all, but I knew why I was in this atmosphere. I just didn't, I just didn't know what I was getting myself into per se. I remember driving home it was 10 o'clock at night. I finally, they, the new staff came in. I had to do a debrief, tell my day. And they're like, wow, that's crazy. You have to write some incident reports. Like I didn't have any training and I still like, they told me how to write an incident report. So I wrote a few incident reports about the fight and I drove home. I drove to our house. We'd only been living in Calgary probably about two months. And, uh, I remember getting into my car. I hadn't even driven out of the compound yet. And I buckled up, didn't even start the car. I just remember sitting there, staring out the windshield, and I just thought, is, is this real life? Is this real life? Like, I had worked for a month throwing out resumes and interviewing with people, and I finally got the once-in-a-lifetime chance. This has been something I've been thinking about since high school. So two years, two, three years later, finally I'd gotten my shot. And my first day on the job... I was just shocked. Then I turned the key and drove my car to our house and Paula had finished her job. She was working a retail temp job. They needed some help with a, a store that sold like school outfits. So she was just for the school ramp up season. And so she worked like nine to five or whatever. So she was at home and 10 o'clock. I heard the TV on. I, I came through the back, this big house, beautiful. I just stood in the landing of this house Newly married, 
and I'd worked so hard. I had my expectations set for two to three years after high school. Like this social work thing is what I was meant to do. I love youth. I young, I love young people. I love making a difference. This is what I was made to do. This is my purpose. I remember crying. I opened the door and it was like all the shields that I'd been holding up all day emotionally and physically. Whether I wanted them to or not, they just came crashing down. I sobbed. And my wife said, like, because she heard the door close. She's like, she was like, sweetie, like, hey, like she was happy to see me. We're newly married and she's just happy that I was home. And I didn't say anything. I couldn't because I was just in so much shock. And I was like, have I screwed my wife over? Have I gotten myself in too deep? Did I make the wrong decision? I just started sobbing. I, I can't really tell you why. I was crying. I mean, yeah, there was some pretty traumatic stuff that was happening where I'm just like, oh, damn, you know, like, <laughs> did this really happen? Is this really happening to me? But I, I know a part of it was like, I don't know where to go from here. I, I remember very clearly that that was one of the main things that I was crying about was like, it wasn't even disappointment. I don't think that that was the right emotion that draws out sobbing. It was, it was like fear of failure. It was failure. It was just the weight of failure upon me where I was like, where do I go from here? This was all I thought I was supposed to do. And it was terrible. I sobbed and she just came. She rushed down. Once she heard me crying, she rushed to me and she hugged, she hugged me and just held me. And I just, I didn't know what to do. I had been scheduled guys for another shift the next day at the same house, 10 to 10, 12 hour shift. Now I'm going to summarize this really quick. Cause I don't want to keep you guys here forever, but here's the deal. I only lasted at that job a month and a half. And I'm going to say props because lasted sounds dramatic. It's not for everyone. And I'm really glad that they gave me a shot. I actually want to say absolute appreciation and gratitude to this organization for giving a chance to a young, inexperienced kid like me. And they actually complimented me a lot. They really enjoyed my personality. They said I had a really good knack for it. I was really good with the kids, spoke with good authority, but also like related well to them. They're very happy with what I was doing. They were very happy with what I had produced, but I just couldn't handle it. I wasn't made for it. And I eventually resigned. And I remember sitting there at my, my last day, I came home, Polo was at work. I had finished, I think a night shift Something like that. I think it was a night shift, you guys. So I slept a, a, you know, a little bit and Pola went out that morning. She kissed me goodbye and I went to bed and she went to work. And I remember waking up in the afternoon thinking that that was the end of that experience, for lack of a better word. And I just remember being like, where do I go? What do I do? What's my purpose? And... Now I'm in a good place and some really cool stuff has happened. Like I already told you about the insurance thing, like how I had no experience in that field and yet someone took a chance on me. But picture that emotion, okay? You've gone through like a month and a half of, I wouldn't say hell, but it was, it was pretty tough. I worked in numerous group homes, different programs, huge props to the staff there. You guys are some of the most selfless people on earth. You are so loving, so kind, and you really legitimately care about those kids and you try to pour into them. And thus you inspired me to try to do the same. I just couldn't handle it. I knew it wasn't for me. And I kind of felt bad because I, 
I felt like I'd wanted to do that for so many years. I told people, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get my bachelor of social work, but I'm going to do my, you know, I'm going to do my practical training at this organization. You know, like it, it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. It's a natural step. It's a natural progression. It's naturally where my life is going. I'm taking steps of purpose. You know, like I had my mind, this is the trajectory that I was to expect. This was expected. This is what I was supposed to do. And I was proud of telling people that. But then when I got into the thick of it, when I walked in other people's shoes that were in the industry that I wanted, when I was in on the front lines, reality hit me and I was like, my heart is not here and I can't do this. And I felt like I'd let the people around me down that let me work there. I felt like I'd let my wife down because... I'm supposed to kind of have some of this stuff figured out and I wanted to progress so that we could have kids and we could raise a family securely. I felt like I'd let my parents down because, you know, they didn't push me. They trusted me. I was a pretty self-motivated guy. And then again, my last day after my night shift, slept, woke up in the afternoon. My wife's gone. She's still at work. I'm in this house I don't own, newly married. I'm just like, what the heck did I just go through for a month and a half? And what do I do next? And you know what the funny thing is? That same emotion is felt by many of us still to this day in a job that we have worked, studied, and trained for our whole lives. I mean, and you can take this in anything. I'm only relating this to occupations because I know that that's what a lot of us have to do is a a day-to-day job that pays the bills and it's maybe not what we want. We have dreams or we have hopes or maybe we don't even know what hopes and dreams we have, but this is what we've we've done. You know, my big brother's a nurse. He's my hero. He still loves what he does. Legitimately, he loves helping people. I mean, I it sounds bad, but I actually forget he's a nurse because he's just so nonchalant about it. It's what he does. He takes care of people, he saves lives every day, he intervenes in in medical crisis. But he he loves what he does and he doesn't complain. Like he's content that way. And that's not all there is to his life. He's got other passions, but you know, he he's contento. He's content. Whereas I got other people that are educated, huge professionals, engineers, um, businessmen, entrepreneurs, contractors, construction workers, and they're just looking up, being like, is this all there is? It's that same feeling that I had after my social work stint. It's just like, where do I go from here? I thought this was it. I thought this was the trajectory. Purpose. Purpose. So my Russ Rants listeners, I don't have answers. But I want to get you thinking. Heck, I'm thinking about it right now just because my life has been a roller coaster lately. And that's there's no excuse. I want to produce more content and I am, I've got some guests lined up, so I swear to you there's going to be a couple of interviews coming. I'm excited for you to experience that. Thank you for bearing with me. But where are you at today? I feel you. I can relate. I'd love to hear comments. I would love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear your story. Heck, you can contact me at russrantsreal at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-R-A-N-T-Z-R-E-A-L at gmail.com. That's my inbox. Message me your story, and with your permission, I'd love to give you some kudos on another upcoming podcast. Contact me on Twitter. Contact me on Instagram. Love to hear from you, but I don't have the answers. 
that was a little bit of a, an off tangent, and it's definitely a longer episode, that is for sure, but this is something close to my heart, and it's something that I felt like I wanted to share with you guys because I'm still searching, but I know that there's something that I was made for, and I know that there's something that I'm going to get to do, and I'm, I'm going to just trust and hope that I'm going to find it eventually, and right now I'm going to kind of enjoy the journey. But for those of you out there that are like, where do I go from here? Or what's next? Or is this really all there is? Don't settle, please. Life is too short. Well, I went to school for this and, you know, it, it's, it pays the bills and it's a good trajectory professionally. Is that really worth your misery <laughs> or dissatisfaction? Is it really? Like, you know, like, it's not like you're going to live forever. This isn't, I mean, unless you have a clear-cut year goal of income that you want to hit and then you can walk away. Like, is, your, is this really something you want to spend the majority of your time in? Maybe it is. Maybe you feel like it's it's your responsibility. Well, I'm not going to shred on that. That's good for you. Be responsible. But you got to live with that, and that's your purpose. But find your purpose. Don't be afraid to try to find your purpose, even if you think you have to sacrifice some years to do a job you don't feel good about. Find your purpose in that. Seriously, it might make the whole world of a difference instead of it being like, you know, I have to deal with these crazy kids and I have to just endure all this emotional abuse and not get any reward. Maybe you can turn around to be like, I have to go in the trenches with these kids because no one else is going to go in there if I don't. And I'm going to help change the world of some of these kids. And that's going to be my legacy. Like, that's just a different mentality. And I'm not shredding on that industry. I give it huge props and I think that they're amazing people. I'm really glad that there are people that can have the temperament to handle it. I just can't. I'm content with that now. I'm not a failure. So that's it for me. I wish you all the best. I wish you all a great Super Bowl. This is just before the weekend, so I'm excited uh, for you guys. Uh, and I'm excited to do, get to show you guys. I, I've got uh, my youngest brother coming on the show here. Uh, hopefully in a few episodes, we're going to talk about his uh, YouTube experience, but also what he's doing now and about purpose, probably. And uh, again, I still got that entrepreneur that uh, is doing something totally different uh, in his uh, side hustle, and it might surprise you, but we're going to talk about that. So thank you very much for, uh, for being with me during the rant, and I'm sorry for my groggy voice. I am tired, but I thought it was still worth it to invest and get in touch with you guys. So hope you all have a great day, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks.